purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to episode 121 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Hey, today we're set for another epic conversation here together. I continue to marvel at the extravagant generosity of people and the serendipitous ways in which our paths cross and connect. A few weeks ago, Jane Adshead Grant joined me here on the podcast. And then just last week, we were in conversation and I said, hey, who do you know that would be an awesome guest to join me and us talk about this extraordinary life together? She said, my friend Cornell Thomas. So thank you, Jane, for the intro to Cornell. It was actually our pal, Gary Turner, who introduced me to Jane. He first put Cornell on my radar screen a few months ago. So Cornell, like you, like me, is one of a kind, and I think you are going to enjoy this conversation. Hey, today we're sitting down with my old friend, (laughs) Cornell Thomas. And Cornell, what a joy to have you join us here on the Higher Purpose Podcast. And we go all the way back to, let's see, when was it that we first Man, met? It was so long ago, Kevin. I want to say it's got to be at least 48 hours, maybe more. I didn't know it was that long. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, Cornell and I just met. And as you heard me say up front, we met through the courtesy of Jane Adshead Grant. We also have a mutual friend in Gary Turner. Mm-hmm. But here we are. We're just going to have an unplugged, fun uncharted conversation and see where it goes. So, but Cornell, I always or almost always want to start conversations by grounding them in the rich soil of gratitude. Mm. So what is something that you're grateful for as we connect here today? Yeah. Every single day I wake up, I'm grateful for breath. That's Mm. the first thing because without that, I can't enjoy all the other things that I'm grateful for. So every day I wake up, I thank God that I'm alive and have another day to make the day better from yesterday or fix whatever I have to fix or whatever it is. Okay. (laughs) And then I've heard you say this, so I'm just going to throw this into the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's pretty miraculous that we're alive. Yeah. It's amazing to me, Kevin, how many people don't realize that we are floating on some rock that we really don't know the shape of, I guess. And we're being pulled together by gravity, whatever you want to call it. And we're just walking around doing our everyday lives. Like, we're in space. <laughs> like, and we're alive somehow. We're alive and we're having these interactions, these connections with people. That is a miracle in itself, the yeah. fact that we're alive. The fact that we woke up. I mean, there's tens of thousands of people that unfortunately lost their lives yesterday. Yeah. We get another chance to do it today. Right. So I think it's the little miracles that we tend to forget. We just get spoiled that I've been alive for 35 years or 40 years. I'm going to be alive tomorrow. Mm. Right. And we have all this stuff around us that points otherwise. But Mm. we kind of forget the miracle of just waking up and being on this rock. 
Okay. So let me ask another question just for folks that don't know you. Is there something that you would like to share with us that kind of creates a context for people to understand who this Cornell Thomas, I mean, you actually have a university named after you. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, they, I've gotten none of the money from the university, but yeah, they've taken my name. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, Kevin, the context, and you know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, you know, who I am is based on who my mom, you know, was and is. Mm. Uh, right now, I always say the great Tina Thomas. It's very hard for me to say her name without saying the great Tina Thomas. So when I was four years old, my father, Bobby Thomas, passed away from cancer. Mm. He was a police officer in the city of Passaic, New Jersey, did amazing things, got kids off the streets, did toy drives, food drives. But I didn't know my father. I didn't have a relationship with my father. My mom, mm. when I was four, went from taking care of the kids to having to work three jobs and raise five kids so we could survive. You know, I'm from Passaic, New Jersey, and my mom just did all this stuff just to, like, have food on our stomach and clothes on our back and a roof over our head. And she never complained. She never took her day out on us. Like, my mom never came home and was like, I'm working three jobs. and She just was all about solutions. And that's why I'm such a solution-based person is because I never saw my mom put her head in her hands and quit. You know, she's very faith-based, super religious. Uh, she's always had faith that our situation was going to change. And she raised us on the adage, everything happens for a reason. Mm. And that kind of changed the course of my life. Once she told that, to, I think I was like seven, eight years old when I first remember her telling that to me. And I had no idea why. And then later on in life, I started seeing things unfold and realizing that mm. the reason that I came up the way I did is to help me on my true mission and my purpose, what I'm doing now. Mm. Mm. All right. So like I said, I'd kind of known of you originally through our friend, Gary Turner. Sure. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> and like I told you in the text yesterday, hey, thank you, Gary, for introducing me to Cornell. I mean, <laughs> not really, but James <laughs> made that introduction. But he's trying to hoard it. He's trying to hoard all his friends, all the people. He's to, he doesn't like to share Gary. I was a roommate with him for three days. He doesn't like to share very much. Ah. Yeah. So, <laughs> So last week, I actually called it Gary Turner Week. So maybe Gary Turner Week's continuing, Gary. We're just having fun with you at your expense. But when we connected on the conversation, wow, all of a sudden, I just started realizing there are so many intersections for you and I to talk. I mean, purpose, positivity, extraordinary, and that's the work you do. You've written a book, Extraordinary. And so we're not talking about the book today. You can talk about the book, but I'm not talking about the book because I haven't read it yet. And I, as I told you, we'll come back and do that again. I promise. Sure. Two preconditions that before I talk to an author about their book, I have to have read their book. And I have to believe that you listening to this conversation would be better off in life if you read the book. So we'll do that some other time. But Cornell, Pick a number between one and 777, and then we'll just figure out from there where we're going to start, purpose, positivity, extraordinary. You pick a number. Nine. Nine. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Nine. Okay. So, folks, there was no relevance to that number. I just wanted to have some fun with Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start talking about you. You talked about your mom, and everything has meaning. Everything. What was the phrase? Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. That kind of connects to purpose. Mm. When did you start realizing your life yeah, had yeah. purpose? Yeah. Well, I always preface this because 
there are multiple times where I thought my purpose was different. I thought I was living in my purpose, right? So there are times where we go through life where like, oh, this is it. This is it. There's nothing else for me to do. I was put on this earth to do A or B or C. That's happened twice in the course of my life before I found my true purpose. So first, it was a basketball player. I discovered basketball when I was 16 years old. I was god-awful. I worked at it seven, eight hours a day. I was able to get proficient enough to get a full scholarship and get a contract to play professional basketball. And then I ruptured my Achilles tendon a week before I was supposed to go. I start coaching basketball. And then I was like, oh, no, no, no. This is it. Like, I'm supposed to be a basketball coach. Okay, gotcha, God. I thought that you meant basketball player. Now you want me to be a coach. You want me to impact the locker room. I'm going to open up a business and train kids. This is it. Purpose. Gotcha. And then right before, a couple years before my son was born, I started to have this shift that, no, I don't think you have it yet. Hmm. And that's a scary thing when you're all in, right? I'm an all in guy. If I'm like, this is my purpose, I'm all in. Like, this is what it is. And basketball wasn't the same for me anymore. I still loved it. But the losses didn't hurt as much as they did. Hmm. And I was asking for guidance. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I didn't know what the purpose was. And one day I'm on Facebook and I'm reading down my timeline. I guess I want to be depressed that day. And for whatever reason, <laughs> it was the most negative, negative nonsense that you could ever imagine. Just all, you know, first world problems. You know, I spilled my coffee. My boyfriend's terrible. All this nonsense. So I'm thinking to myself, this is the way people start their day. They start their day by reading social media, and it's just all negativity. So what if I just changed the narrative? And I had a book of positive quotes that a friend gave me as a gift. So I started taking the quotes out of the book and putting them on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and people started to like it. So I'm like, okay, cool. I got it. And then a couple of months went by, and I lost the book. And I wrote my own book quote, and people still liked it. So I'm like, well, screw the book. I'm going to write my own quote every day. So I started writing my own quote every day. And then months went by and a friend of mine, my friend Steph came up to me and she goes, where do you get your quotes from? I said, I write them myself. And she goes, well, you should write a blog. I said, that's a great idea. What the hell is a blog? <laughs> Never heard of a blog before in my life. She opens up a blog site for me and I start writing blogs every Saturday. And the title of the blog was The Power of Positivity. Mm-hmm. And I just started doing that every Saturday and I started seeing how powerful our words are. And before then I knew verbally right in the spoken word i know our words can hurt i know our words can uplift but i didn't know that in the written word it can have that much impact especially for me like i'm a former basketball player and basketball coach like who would want to hear what i have to say that's what everybody says before they write the first book or their first blog or the first quote and i start to see the impact it had so i said okay well i want to write a book now and well, what's the name of the book going to be? The Power of Positivity, Controlling Where the Ball Bounces. How are you going to write it? I'm going to freaking ask Google. And so I Googled, how do you write a book? And next thing you know, I'm writing a book. And after I wrote my book, I said, okay, I want to share my story. Because I see that my story is resonating with all types of people, not just black people, not just men, not just basketball players, everyone, black, white, Christian, Muslim, wherever. And I started going out and speaking anywhere that would have me. Like, started in my shower. And then after that, <laughs> I can get an audience of three or four people and then 14 and 15. And then it started to grow from there after years and years of just traveling everywhere, sharing it. Okay. Now you threw me off on something that I just have to clarify. In sure. the shower, there was just an audience of one. Just right? me. Yes. Okay. It was just me. Yeah. And it was outside the shower when you got an audience of three or four. Yeah. I couldn't pack that many people in the shower. And I don't know what that conversation with my wife would be like. So it was just me in the shower. <laughs> 
Hey, this is beautiful. I just love this. That sometimes to pursue your dream, you're only talking to yourself, right? Yeah. But you've got to be the first one to believe. And then there are others, and then it grows. All right, so, okay, now we've talked about purpose. We're not done talking about purpose. And now all of a sudden you've brought in positivity, right? Two of my favorite words, not my only two favorite words, but two of them, purpose and positivity. But I want to ask, for the person listening who thinks there is one purpose and only one capital P purpose in their life, and they're frustrated and they are feeling hopeless, aimless, whatever, because they haven't yet found that. And then folks like you and I stumble upon different things, go, well, this seems like my purpose. And we lock onto that for a while and you pursue it. And then all of a sudden there's this more insight, understanding, light, whatever. And you go, oh, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. Let's just talk about the journey of purpose, that it's not a destination, is it? I mean, that's, I guess when we think of it as capital P, we think there's that one spot in the universe for me to find, and then that's purpose. And then what do you do once you find it? But you and me, we're just on this journey. Sure. Why is it a journey? And what's the value of looking at it as a journey versus a destination? Well, for me, it's a journey because it's never ending. That's why it's a journey for me. If you have a destination, if you have a stopping point, it's no longer a journey, it's a race, yeah. right? At some point, there's a finish line. Yeah. There's no finish line to what I do mm. because my purpose is evolving every single day, every minute, every moment. My purpose is evolving somewhere in a different country that I have no idea what's going on and it's going to catch up to me at some point. The reason that so many people don't discover their purpose is because on their journey, they either get discouraged mm. by themselves or someone else or they feel that, there's nothing else they could do. How many times have you told people, I couldn't do anymore, right? I can't do anymore. You can always do more. <laughs> like there's always another step for you to go. If I speak in front of 50,000 people tomorrow, there's still about, I don't know, seven and a half billion other people that have never heard me speak before. So how can I say, well, I'm done, mission accomplished. It doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the things that happen or I'm not grateful for the things that happen. But I know there's just so much to do because the world needs people like you and I and Claude and Gary and all these people that we are meeting that are we're coming into each other's lives. So I've always been a fan of the process. Even when I was terrible at basketball, I love getting out there and working on my game. I've always been a fan of the process because through my mom, I realized that if you don't work at something, your results are not going to be what you want. You have to put your hard hat on. You got to put your mouthpiece in. Whatever analogy you want to use, you got to put that chin down and you got to fight and scrap for your purpose and for what you want to do. Yeah. So a thought hit me yesterday that I wrote. It's not original, I don't think. I know it's not, but there was something going on and it was like, hey, even a small step forward is progress. Right. I mean, there's so many of us that we've only imagined the big step. Like you say, hey, I've not spoken to anyone. The next step is to speak on a stage to 50,000 and not see the journey from speaking to no one to 50,000. And it's a series, or as Lasu said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So it's just take the next step, the next step, the next step, yeah. and don't quit. Yeah. Even baby steps are steps. That's right. Your baby takes its first step. You don't say, ah, man, it could have been a bigger stride. You know, you're like, no, our baby took a step because you know what's coming next. You know the next step is coming and the next step. And then soon they're going to be running 
right? And it's like, oh, wow, here we go. And it's the same thing with your purpose. Right now, and people see what I've done, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're doing – I was like, understand, I'm still baby-stepping this. Mm. Like, I'm not anywhere close mm. to where I'm going to be. I'm still, like, trying to find my legs, and I've only been doing this for seven years. Mm. You know, there's people that have been doing this for 30, 35 years, like, right? So I'm still on my first leg of walking. You know, my warm-up jacket isn't off yet. Hmm. Once the warm-up jacket comes off, then you're really going to see. But right now, my warm-up jacket's on. I'm still in the layup line. I love that, Cornell. All right, so positivity. I think when I first kind of saw Cornell, and it's kind of funny, right? Okay, let's talk about comparison a moment. Sure. Has comparison ever put you in a good place in life? <laughs> Never. <laughs> oh, Never. Maybe. Right. Okay. So I see, you know, when I first hear of Cornell, you are about to do a positivity summit in London. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's easy. Oh, he's got it all figured out. He's doing a positivity summit in London. Right. And so that is this comparison thing that all of us, we can always look around at somebody else. And, and I just love that you just said, Hey, I'm still baby stepping up. I'm still in the warm up jacket. Sure. So other people could look at that and go, oh, he's so much further along the journey. I could never get there. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because perception, right? That's why they say on social media, perception is everything. You yeah. know, you might see this positivity, somebody like, oh my goodness, he's just absolutely. No, because if I was satisfied with just one event, I wouldn't be who I am, right? right. My purpose wouldn't be the same. I can't say I want to be one of the people because it's going to be this consortium. It's going to be a bunch of us to help change the world for the better. I'm not doing it by myself. You're not doing it by yourself. No one has the power. No human being has the power to do it by themselves. It's going to be all of us coming together to do it. And we're just doing our parts, right? Like we're doing our part. So when I say I'm just in the warm-up line, like laying the ball up, that's it. And when I take my warm-up jacket off, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look behind me. I'm going to have thousands of teammates. We're all going to be playing the game together, right? That's why I look when I connect with people. I met with Gary and all these people. I'm like, we're just a big team. We just happen to be finding each other right now. Like we were all in foster care, right? <laughs> and we didn't know that we were all related and connected and intertwined. And now we're old enough to find each other. So we're coming after one another and looking for each other, which is such a beautiful thing. Oh, man. Okay, so Cornell. Yes, sir. What is it that you see, feel, or hear in another and you go, oh, they're family? Mm. Yeah. I feel their energy. I'm an energy guy. And energy isn't like, oh, you know, I sense this. No, energy is you can tell when someone is walking towards you. Mm -hmm. You can tell, I can tell by what someone's voice on the phone. And I'm going to say this because, you know, it's true. Kevin, we first talked on the phone within the first, what, minute? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is my guy. Like, immediate, this is my guy. You know, whatever he needs me to do, I'm like, go on a podcast, whatever, let's do it. I felt it immediately. Your energy resonated through the phone. I was like, this is my guy. Same thing when I first met any of the people that we all know together, mutually. It's just their energy. I find myself calling them family within the first, like, 30, 45 minutes of me meeting. And it's not like that with everybody. No. There are people that I meet where I'm like, we're not on the same frequency, right? So I'm an energy guy. I really feel people's energy and I can feel it from a mile away. I've been in the airport where I've 
sat down and someone sat next to me and we just talked for hours mm-hmm. and we remained talking. We stayed friends. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've been places where I'm surrounded by a thousand people. I'm like, not feeling it. <laughs> right. There's like, like, I don't feel it. So my thing is just, I'm just an energy guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that. And I do. I love the way we connected and connected like immediately. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, I was thinking in the last couple of weeks, started realizing that people that I have connected with in the last, specifically this year, the 11 months of this year, in the last two years leading up to this year, I know that I'm going to be connected with those people and doing things together for the next decade and beyond. I don't know how I know that, Cornell. Right. I can't point to signs and evidence. I just know it. And it's kind of amazing. I love what you're talking about here. So how do we come together to bring out the best in one another, to collaborate, support and encourage one another, but not to compete with one another? Yeah. You got to you got to put your ego out. You leave your ego at the door. That's the most important thing. You know, when people don't collaborate. Like when I see it in social media, it just makes me laugh. There's someone that they have like millions of followers, right? And they're following like nobody because I'm so cool. I don't have to follow anybody. I'm like a big social media person. I have 50 million followers. I'm following two people. That doesn't make you cool. That makes you a narcissist, right? Like you just care about like, it's all about you. For me, I want to see you succeed. Like truly want to see you succeed in life. So if that's the case, I'll have no problem collaborating on whatever if our energy matches up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just leaving your ego to the side mm-hmm. and realizing that this whole world, as small as it is, it's big enough for everybody to be successful. Yeah. It really is. So that's the, my mindset going into any interaction that I have with people that I think their energy is aligned and we're aligned. I'm like, how can I help you? That's like the first thing that I ask. How can I help your mission? You know, if it's being on a show, if it's connecting with whoever, how can I help you? Mm. And then I go from there. Mm. All right. So I don't even think I've mentioned this phrase to you, but this is a phrase that I just started hearing a week ago, Sunday in my head, decade of difference, Mm. decade of difference. Let's look at the 2020s as a decade of difference. I don't want to look at it as, Hey, a new year is starting. And that's how so many times I've been approached or taught to think of goal setting. What are your goals for the year? And I'm like, Nah, I want to see 2020, the whole 2020s as a decade of difference. And for me, that is recognizing there are people that I'm going to be doing things with for the whole decade and just watching that go and grow. So tell me with you, decade of difference, positivity summit you've started doing. Mm -hmm. What's the dream, the vision for that in the next decade? Well, first off, great question. Second, I just had this conversation with my team, I have two women in England. I call them L2 because there's two leases that have been finally, I, this is the first time I've ever had a team to do anything. And we were talking, we had like an hour long conversation about this. And with the Positivity Summit, my goal, Kevin, is by 2020, you know, 2021, to have, you know, four or five a year. And then by 2025, I want to franchise it out to like minded people. So if you say, hey, Cornell, I would love to run a positivity summit in China or, you know, I would love to run one in Australia. And I say, okay, Kev, well, you run one in China. We'll staff it, right? You go do it, make it happen. So 
eventually there'll be 10 positivity summits going. And then I want to do positivity summits for high schools. Hmm. So it's all going to just keep recycling itself. The people that are in the one in high school are going to end up being ones and doing ones in college. And then the ones when they get out of college and then passing it on. So the positivity summit is different because it's not just me speaking to people. That's why I didn't call it the Cornell is awesome summit. Right. It's the, it's the positivity summit. So it's the speakers are very diverse. It's a very eclectic group. And we're just sharing stories. No one's selling from stage. No one is trying to upsell you on a coaching program. Everybody's telling you, well, kind of what I've been through. And what you end up seeing is, regardless of what the backgrounds are, all our stories end up bonding through one thing, which is adversity. Mm-hmm. The human experience is about a lot of things, but one of the major things is adversity. And when you go to sit down and you see all these different speakers, and if you kind of have to pinpoint one thing that ties everybody, it's adversity and what you did to push through it. And that's the beauty of the Positivity Summit. And it allows people to be open with one another because all the speakers are vulnerable. So now the audience is vulnerable. And there's this layer of connectivity that is just, I think, is beautiful. Okay, so I know why. You just said why you didn't want to call it the Cornell is Awesome Summit. Yeah. But why the Positivity Summit versus, you know, any other dozen, two dozen, hundred words you could have chosen? Why positivity? Because it means so much to me in my life. Like selfishly, like positivity, I think life is mindset. I think everything in life is mindset. And it's how you look at the situation. Because my mindset is positive, mainly. Now, it doesn't mean I don't have negative moments. It doesn't mean I don't have human emotions. That's not true at all. But because... I'm mainly leaning always towards positivity and looking at the brighter side of things and the glass, you know, half full. I'm able to get through problematic situations faster Mm -hmm. because I'm not saying, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. I'm saying, all right, this may suck, (laughs) but this is temporary. This is going to pass. I've been through it before. Right. And what's on the other side of this is going to be awesome. Yes. We just got to get through it. Just got to get through it. And it's not even over. Like when people say, man, get over it, get over it. It's not getting over it. We remember things that people said when we were in middle school that were harmful to us, right? Like our friends calling us a name or whatever. It's not really get, like you said, it's getting through it. It's like, it's just putting it in our rear view mirror. It's in front of our face and now we're putting it behind us. It's in the rear view. I still see it from time to time, but I'm going to drive forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm very intentional, just like you with word choice. And through is an intentional word. I love it. Getting through because, hey, there are times when life does suck. Life throws stuff at us that is difficult. But we do know we will and we can get through it. Yes, sir. So, all right. So one other word I want to unpack with you in this conversation, and I don't even know your take on it. Like I said, I know you've written a book. haven't read the book yet. Extraordinary. Or Okay, let me ask you. Do you say it extraordinary or extraordinary? Which is it to you? How do you emphasize the word. So Extraordinary is my third book. And the reason it's broken up on the cover, it's broken up extraordinary, right? And this is why I feel that there are so many millions of people that accept ordinary. Mm. They accept average, they accept okay. They accept being like everybody else. And they don't realize that one fact about all humans created on this earth is there will never, ever, ever be another one of you There wasn't one before, there won't be one after, exactly like you. If you are telling me that is ordinary, you are out of your freaking mind. There's no way that's ordinary. Out of the trillions of people that have been on this planet, 
You are one of one. Think about that. Think about a one of one of a Picasso or a one of one of a model car. How much money would it be worth? What do they say? They say it's priceless, right? It's priceless. So how can you not treat yourself as priceless? Wow. You are priceless. Once you're not here anymore, you're no longer here. You are the freaking golden ticket of Willy Wonka, but you're just one of them. Yeah. You're the last one left, right? So when I look at extraordinary, I think the difference between extraordinary and ordinary or extraordinary and great is that extra, right? What they say is always that extra. It's that what you're willing to put in. But some of that extra is taking the extra time for yourself to realize and make that self-assessment that there is something extraordinary about you. Mm -hmm. Getting out of the rat race, unplugging from the matrix just long enough to understand that there's something special about you. Mm. And when people go on there, like now it's like, it's cool, I guess, to go on there and say, not everybody's special, blah, 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 blah. Like people talk of this nonsense, these speakers that like, I'm going to do a different route and be kind of negative, but also kind of positive. No, no, dude, everybody is special because there's we're one of one. That's what makes it special. I'm not saying everybody gets a trophy. I'm not saying everybody gets an eighth place participation award. I'm saying we're all special because we're one of one. So that does make us special, yeah. right? And then what you do from there determines if your legacy becomes special. Dramatic pause, folks. We did not look connection. I just had to let that soak in because I've got to come back. Okay. Jane Adshead Grant is who introduced us. A few weeks ago now, I had that conversation with Jane and Jane just invited me to go all in mm. and listen. No notes, just listen. And I just heard you say something, Cornell, right? Everyone is special. And every one of you listening to this conversation right now, you are special. However, there is a choice to make for your legacy to be special. That's what I heard you say, Cornell. Just because you are special doesn't mean your legacy will be. Bam. Unpack that for me, brother. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah, when you said I, I'm getting goosebumps as you're saying it, I'm getting like. Well, you're the one that said it, man. Yeah. But just hearing you say it the way you said it, it gets me. But that's, it's so true because what do you want to leave behind, right? Now, there's plenty of people that don't want to leave anything behind. And you know what? Everybody's important in this universe. Everybody. Everybody plays a special part in it. Everybody plays a role, right? This is a big movie. Everybody plays a role. Every character is essential, even if you don't think it is. Even that background extra, there's a clue there. There's an Easter egg there, right? But if you do want to leave something behind, Think about this. I went to a basketball club a long time ago. And I thought this was amazing. This guy by the name of Alan Stein, he said, I was reading something and someone brought up this point. Are you in anybody's top three? Mm. So if someone went up to people in your life and said, hey, you know what? Who are the top three people that have influenced you in your life? You as Mr. Basketball Coach, you are as Mrs. Teacher, you as whoever. Would you be able to say, would your students or your players, would anybody pick you to be in the top three? Now, if you think about it, if the person has parents, one and two might be occupied, <laughs> right? So for you to make someone's top three, you have made a lasting impact in their life. And one of my chapters in my first book was top three. And I had a couple people reach out and say, you would be in my top three. Wow. And I cried. I cried. Like, 
I just cried. Because for them to say that to me meant, okay, if I wasn't here today, I know that whatever I did to impact them would last long after I'm gone. And maybe they might pass it to their kids and pass it to their kids and pass it to their kids. So that's legacy to me. Legacy isn't changing the whole entire world by yourself. My mom's legacy is going to be based on what her kids do, right? No one saw the process of my mom raising us. We saw it. And she did it in what would be considered the micro, just taking care of her family, so I can do it in the macro and help as many people as I can while I'm here. Wow. Okay, so you said something else there. And I believe that it's only a myth that we have a fantasy that maybe it's a fantasy story, a fantasy movie that we've bought into that one person by themselves changed the world. True. Right? How many millions of people marched with Dr. King? Right? Yeah. I mean, he led the parade or the mm-hmm. march, but that didn't happen by himself. Steve Jobs, he didn't create or change the world of technology by himself in his garage. So this whole idea that we think there are, and I'll use the word extraordinary people who do it alone, the reality is no one does it alone. And the sooner you and I figure out who our people are and that we're not going to do it alone, but we can do it together, the bigger dent we're going to make faster in the universe. For sure. For (laughs) sure. I love that. Wow. Because you see the face, right? You see the Steve Jobs, you see the MLK, you know, man, if people knew MLK's team of advisors, the people that he'd throw speeches at and they go back and forth, like, no, he was the face, right? Jobs is the face. The people that are working 24 hours on his technology, that's the ones that are making it go, right? And you're right. I think when you find the people that want to support you, that say, hey, you know what? I love this Kevin guy, man. How do I make his mission better? You, oh, he needs someone that can do websites. Oh, I'm great at websites. Maybe he might need me, right? Like when you start collecting your team members, yeah, right? And you start, like I said, these two of them that I have, Lisa and Lisa, they align with me so much. Yeah. It's like, thank God. And they're in England. I'm a guy from New Jersey, right? We're just finding each other. And I think that's a beautiful point. You just get your, collect your team, get the people that are going to back you and then go and take over whatever you got to take over. Okay. There's a comment I got to make and a question I've got to ask, but okay. And I didn't know we were going to talk about MLK, one of my heroes. There is a moment. Mm -hmm. What is his most famous speech? I have a dream. You know, that's not the speech he wrote that day. Yep. That was not the speech Mahalia Jackson had gotten up and had sung right before Dr. King spoke. And then she's standing in the background and she knew his dream. She knew his vision. She knew the journey. And all of a sudden, Dr. King pauses in the speech. And on the recordings, you can hear Mahalia in the background saying, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And he changed directions in the speech, right? So what you just said, I mean, when you talked about Lisa and Lisa, I'm thinking, wow, Martin had his Mahalia. Who's your Mahalia, right? Who is the person that sees the dream and helps you articulate the dream in a way you've not done it before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Wow. So who's your Mahalia? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) 
Who's your Mahalia that's helping you share the dream better? All right, so another one, ordinary. Ordinary or average? What's the difference between average? For me, the way I look at it, I don't know if there's that much of a difference. I think ordinary and average, like I think of ordinary and average as the same thing. I give it the letter grade C. Okay. Right? When you get a C on your exam, you're not super excited and you're not super bummed. Like you're like, okay, I passed, right? Well, at least I was. So when I look at that, I look at, in, when I say an average person or an ordinary person, I'm not knocking their journey because that's their journey, whatever they want to do. My thing is, is if you have that potential, which we all do, have the potential to be extraordinary. If you don't want to take that red pill or whatever pill it is to unlock yourself in the matrix, and you just kind of want to, you know, marriage, you know, two kids, white picket fence, live your life, consume things, die and be fine. You do what you have to do. And that's the thing. I think the reason that people get turned off a little bit by motivational speakers is they try to force people that don't want to change to change. Well, why wouldn't you? you? You can, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, man, I'm cool. Just going to my nine to six job, coming home, hanging out with my family or not hanging out with my family, eating, going to sleep, and then doing the same thing every single day for the next 40 years, right? I think the average and ordinary comes when you have that potential and you realize that potential. You just don't want to work to let it out. Hmm. So what's one thing that awakens an ordinary person or an average person to the belief, the soul level belief that, oh, it can be different, yeah, that adversity. my life can be extraordinary. Yeah. Adversity, I think. For me, it was adversity. adversity. It's trauma, right? Sometimes things happen in your life mm. and you get through it and you're like, how did that happen? How did I get through that? How am I still standing? Mm. And then it makes you question everything. Like you hear people have near life, near death experiences, right? They just come back and they're just like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? I'm wasting it, right? Or you lose somebody that's close to you. And while they're going away, they say to you, man, don't live the, leave this earth with regrets. Mm. You know, I would have done this. I should have done this. I could have done this. Don't you wait, right? So a lot of times adversity or trauma, it kind of wakes people up. And it's a shame that you need that much. Mm. But it's like, it wakes people up that like, what are you doing here? You know, I always tell people, well, this is morbid, but get a jar. I saw this somewhere. Put in a hundred marbles and then take out your age. That's if everything goes right, right? That's how many years you have left. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so what do you want to do? What do you, how do you want to spend those years? You know, me personally, I want to spend it with my family. I want to spend it meeting people like you. I want to spend it traveling all over until that light goes out, spreading as much as I can. So I want to invite you to speak hope mm. to the person listening now that is in the middle of adversity and can't see anything beyond the adversity. Yeah. Well, the first thing you have to realize is that if you're trying to do it alone, right? Say you're doing it alone. This, I'm just going to do this myself. I can power through it whatever journey you have to get out of that funk, out of that depression is going to be very hard to do, extremely hard to do, not impossible, but very hard to do. We do not use our resources wisely. Mm. We tend to go about it alone. Mm. And the one thing, love this African phrase where it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? We don't use our resources. We don't use the people that have our back. But I'll tell you this, whatever problem that you have, 
right? So just think about whatever problem it is, you lost your job, you lost your spouse, something happened that's traumatic. First thing you have to ask yourself, am I still here? Is this life or death? Now you sit just in that question, be honest, right? Well, I'm, I'm asking myself this question, so I'm alive, right? So it's not life or death. The second thing is, all right, what do I immediately have to start doing to slowly start changing my mindset? Now, that's important words. What do I immediately have to start doing to slowly start changing my mindset? Love it. Because your action doesn't mean that tomorrow you're going to quit smoking, right? Or tomorrow you're going to find a job, but it's going to start the healing process. It's going to start putting solutions in your head in that problems because we dogpile, right? We're on the bottom of the freaking problem pile and we just keep adding on. I don't have a job. I'm going to lose my house. No, everybody's going to think I'm a loser, blah, 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 blah. Instead of start taking some of these things off that are not true. Mm. And then the third thing is, I would say, is now you got to say, all right, I have these action steps. Who can I bring along with me to hold me accountable for these action steps? Mm. If I call Kevin, I say, Kevin, this is what's going on in my life. If Kevin is a friend, he can be honest with me and say, Cornell, I want to talk to you. This, this, and this, this is not you. You definitely have to start doing this. You got to start climbing out of this. All right, cool. It's like when I go to the gym, me and you were trying to lose 20 pounds, right? And you say, Cornell, I'm going to pick you up at your house every day. We're going to the gym. I'm getting up. I'm going to be at the door. I'm going to meet you. We're going to go to the gym. If you're not and I'm meeting you there, there might be a day where I wake up and say, mm, Kevin's going to be okay. I'll just shoot him a text like five minutes before he's supposed to be there and say, I'll find you tomorrow. Then one day becomes two, then two becomes five, then two, five becomes 10. Next thing you know, we're not working out anymore, right? Accountability partners are so important. And when you have people in your life that I call 3 a.m. friends, and 3 a.m. friends are people you can call at any time of night, they'll always have your back. If you have that in your life, if you have one of those in your life, then that adversity that you're going through, you can pull out of it. Hmm. Wow, that's beautiful. So much there, so much there. I'm just going to say to some of you listening, you probably just need to rewind a few, hit the back 30, four or five times there and just hear that again. The single biggest thing is don't do it alone. Don't try to go it alone. Find somebody. And Cornell, you and I happen to believe that the world is full of caring, compassionate people. Mm -hmm. There's somebody that'll have your back. Yeah. Find them. For sure. And have theirs. So, wow, our time's getting away from us. And we will. We will have another one of these. Of course, of course. But is there something that's heavy on your heart or mind that you want to add to this conversation for this conversation to be at a good place to tie the bow around this one for you, Cornell? Yeah. Just a message to all the people that listen to you. And that's this. There are going to be storms. There's going to be storms. I'm telling you right now, I go through them on a daily basis sometimes. There are going to be storms, but you have to understand, even the worst storm that's ever been recorded, Noah's Ark, <laughs> even the rain eventually stopped, right? And the rain stopped at some point. So storms are transitory. The worst ones you can think of, they're eventually going to stop. Yeah. And like Kevin said, I'm going to use the same word. It's about getting through it, yeah. right? Getting through it. And sometimes like, people are like, oh, man, don't say survive. You want to thrive. Well, sometimes you got to freaking survive it to thrive. Yeah. If you don't survive it, you're not thriving anywhere. You're not, you're not there anymore. Yeah. So when those storms come, just realizing that they have a stopping point, yeah. 
and understanding that you've already been through so many. What's another one, mm-hmm. right? You've been through some since you were a child, since you were first came out, you've been through adversity and storms. Mm-hmm. What's another one? It might be a little bit bigger, might look a little different, a little bit more lightning, a little louder, maybe a little more thunder, a little scarier, but you can get through it. Beautiful, beautiful. Wow, you can get through it. You can get through it. Cornell, for people who are already wondering, how do they get their next fix of Cornell Thomas? (laughs) Where do we point them? Sure. Well, through social media, it's all Cornell Thomas, right? I'm not fancy. It's not like basketball guy 34 or anything like that. It's at Cornell Thomas. Instagram's at Cornell Thomas 34. And I love having conversation, love interacting with people. My website is cornell-thomas.com. And my Gmail is cornellthomas365 at gmail.com. That's my personal one. I will get back to you right away. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. This is an honor for me. This has been extraordinary or extraordinary, whichever way you want to say the word. It's been that for me. Thank you, Cornell. Thanks, brother. Hey, folks, I hope you really enjoyed that time together with Cornell. I know I did. So let me share some of the things. Man, there's just many things that are stirring in my mind as I attempt to recall them because, once again, I did not make notes during the conversation. You know, I love several things that Cornell said. One of those that I want to talk about, call to your attention, is, hey, right now, maybe today you need to make an immediate shift to slowly change your mind and your mindset. When he said that, it reminds me that rarely do people change overnight, but frequently do people overnight begin to make a change, right? You can make that change starting today. And then as Cornell said, even a baby step is a step. So do something now, do something today that moves you forward. I realize you may see yourself as ordinary. So many people do. But as Cornell pointed out, you are one of a kind. There's no one quite like you. Even if you consider yourself ordinary, there's no reason that your legacy or your impact needs to be ordinary. It can be extraordinary. It's fully in the realm of possibility for you to be in someone's top three of the influencers in their lives. And that is certainly legacy. And then two things. It's two sides of the same coin. If you are in the middle of a difficult situation right now, and we all go through difficult circumstances and situation in our lives, or if there is a dream in your heart to make a difference, your dent in the universe, either one of those situations, you can't do it alone. So if you're in a difficult situation, find someone that can come alongside you, talk with you, who believes in you, cares for you. And if you're wanting to make your dent in the universe, make a difference, find your group, whether you call them team, tribe, community, whatever you call them, find your people because together we can go further than any of us will ever go alone. And if you are one of those that want to make 2020, not just the year 2020, the decade 2020s, a decade of difference, or explore something you've heard in this podcast conversation or any of them, reach out to me. You can email me at kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com 
or you can call me or text 678-744-5111. I want to encourage you to live this extraordinary life and until we connect again to live, love, and lead with purpose. What could 10 days of gratitude do for you? Find out what hundreds of people have experienced and make a change that can last a lifetime at thegratitudechallenge.community because it's better when we do things together. 